Hello and uh, welcome to our service here at Romford Baptist Church, uh, wherever you're watching. It's, uh, it's really great, isn't it, to know that even though, unfortunately, we're not always able to, to gather in the same way, we know that God is always with us wherever we may be. And uh, we are reminded, we're going to be reminded of that to, um, in our service today as we celebrate and offer ourselves, our worship, our prayers, all that uh, is going to um, be done in this next time together. May we know that uh, as we sing about God's faithfulness, may we be able to, maybe as we sing, look back and see God's hand at work in our lives, in dramatic ways or in quiet ways, from the week that you've come from or as we look back into the lives of those that we know, our God is faithful and we're going to be able to sing and uh, be reminded about that now. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you for your great faithfulness. We thank you that we can see your hand at work in our lives, whether that is in um, creation and the seasons changing, whether it's the way that we know our prayers have been answered, whether it's in the way that you are challenging us to live, whether it's in the way that we have seen your hand bless us again and again and again. There is no doubt about your faithfulness. But forgive us when we are not always faithful to you. Help us as we continue to grow in our discipleship to allow you to work in our lives and to be less um, resistant to what it is that you may be saying or what it is that you may be challenging us to. Help us to draw closer, we pray. Amen. I'm going to read some verses from Hebrews chapter 10, which is entitled, A Call to Persevere in Faith. And it starts at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest, high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another onwards towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. We're not able to meet in the way that we would choose, but God is always with us. And that is our theme for uh, today's service that we need to be consistent in the way that we are living and acting. We're needing to continue to draw closer to God. We need to keep our eyes fixed on him. And our next song reminds us that we need to come deeper into our relationship with him. We sing. Let us pray.
Father, we've just sung those words about needing to come deeper into a relationship with you, but sometimes it's our fears that hold us back. Sometimes we are afraid of what that may cost us. Sometimes we are afraid of what you may call us to do. We pray, Lord, that we will have the confidence of knowing that as we journey with you, you will equip us. As we are reminded from that passage in Hebrews, that we can hold unswervingly to the hope that is you, because you promise that you will be faithful to us. And it is because of your son who opened the opportunity for us to come and be called your children, that we don't need to be afraid. And that, Lord, whatever is ahead for us, you promise that you will be there alongside us. And for that, we are thankful. And it is for that we give you our praise and our thanks. Amen. We sing that song that has been sung on more than one occasion, but particularly a noteworthy time was on one of our away days, which reminded us that though we may be afraid, God is with us. We've all received our notice sheet and you'll see that our church program continues. And can I just encourage you to please continue to um, sign in before coming to uh, the church. That's not to say that we don't want to welcome you. We just need to make sure that we're following uh, the restrictions that are placed upon us. Um, That's the opportunity to do on Sunday morning or again on Wednesday lunchtime. We also uh, are encouraging you to continue um, to join us, uh, whether that's through the prayer meeting on a Tuesday or uh, through the study course, uh, in whatever way um, you choose to um, just join with us week by week. Do look at your notice sheet, see the things that are there, and uh, don't just click on it and push it to one side. Read the things that are needed Um, for us to respond to and for the prayers that there are for those within our community and further afield. As we come in a moment to think about our monetary giving through our offering, we're going to sing another song which reminds us that actually what we need to offer to God is not just our finances, as welcome as they are to do the work that God has called us to, but also it's about offering our time and our lives, our words, our quiet times, our relaxation, our busyness, all that we have we need to offer to God. And as we sing this next song, let us think about what we can offer to him as we worship him. Light of the world, he came down from darkness and we can respond in our, in our offering back to him. Let us pray. And so, Father God, we do thank you for that reminder that we are here to worship you and we can do that um, through such a variety of ways. But we do thank you um, for all those who are willing to give week by week, month by month, directly or indirectly. But Lord, we offer you our lives too. And we pray that in all that we offer, it is pleasing to you and in Uh, the way that you would have us be and how you would wish us to serve you. And so we thank you for your blessing to us. We pray that we may be a blessing to you too. Amen. 
And we're going to continue in our time of prayer as we think about the needs of our world and for one another. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, as we think about your Spirit who dwells within us, we recognize that we need to just take a sense of time to pray for the needs of our world. Father, forgive us when we are selfish and when we put prayer to one side. When we look at our notice sheets and don't take care to pray for those who have needs. Father God, you were one with the Father and with the Son and with the Spirit and you have given us the ability to pray for one another. And as we look at our notice sheet, we do pray for each and every person there who needs a touch from you. We pray for the names that are listed. We pray for those within our hearts. We pray that you will be with those who are fearful for the future and who are mourning from the past and for the loss of loved ones. We pray for our world, which is so often overwhelmed by fear and greed and the pursuit of power. And we pray that we may be your people as we seek to bring around your love and to share that love with those that don't yet know it. We pray for those who are working for peace. We pray for those who are Christians in places of authority that, Lord, they will be able to be empowered to speak out your words into those situations. When we think back to the day of Pentecost, then we know that you filled those first Christians with an enthusiasm for the gospel of Christ. We pray too that we may be reminded of that enthusiasm and of the way that we um, can spread and to share the message of the gospel with those around us in our day-to-day -day lives. As we think about uh, all those that we mix with day by day, Lord, help us to be your voice. Through our actions, through our deeds, through our silence, but through our prayers, Lord, may we be willing to show and to live for you so that we can be the light in those dark places. Fill us, Lord, with a generous spirit, ready to share what we are and what we have with those around us. We pray, Lord, that you will fill each one of us with your power and your love and your vision and your purpose so that we can be your people in our day-to-day -day settings. Father, for those of us who are fearful, fearful, Lord, we pray that we may know your strength and your peace. For those of us who have had a difficult week, Lord, help us to turn back to you. For those of us who have been able to praise you and to just to give you thanks, we thank you for their lives and for all that you have been doing for them. And Lord, we pray that they can encourage us 
when we may be struggling. Father God, you are an awesome God. You want us to draw close to you. Help us to do that in our lives day by day, we pray. Amen. Our reading uh, for today is from Acts chapter 5, and uh, it's quite a long passage, so you may find it helpful to turn to it. Acts chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but bought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. And then some young men came forward and wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. And about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for this land? Yes, she said, that's the price. And Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet uh, together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to that number. And as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. And then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. And at daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. And when the high priests and the associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering where this might lead to. And then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. That the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. 
The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of that man's death. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. And then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thudas appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. And he was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the day of the census, and led a band of people in revolt. And he too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of, is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged, and then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. We're going to sing once more before uh, we hear God's word brought to us by Ian. And that song is, Lord, I come to you. Oh, so many times we've been on the central line or other lines of the tube and we hear the call as we arrive at the station and the doors of the train open. The noise we hear is, mind the gap, mind the gap. The gap between the train and the platform edge. Not minding it, you may well end up down between the train and the platform, down at the level of the rails. You're in danger in the gap. Today I want to look at the gaps that we need to mind, and I'm doing this from Acts chapter 5, and if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to it to see the story there of the early church in action. And I want us to see how we are called to mind the gaps. The gaps between what we proclaim and what we do. Our first gap is the gap which we read in the story of Ananias and Sapphira. This is about authentic living. The gap between what we say and how we live. 
Ananias and Sapphira is an interesting story. It's not a story that we um, necessarily fully understand. But what we know is that this was a totally avoidable situation. Ananias and Sapphira were keen to be seen by the church and presumably by God as people who were dedicated to the work of the church. Yet they also had something holding them back. They had still had a part of them that had not fully been committed to God. And they were living in two worlds. Have you ever been in that situation where you're transferring from one boat to another boat on the sea or on a river for any reason? Or maybe you're just getting on a boat at the, on a dockside and as you step you feel the boat moving away from the other place where you're standing and you're getting wider. And then you know there's that point that unless somebody takes your hand and pulls you, you are going to fall between and fall to a very wet place. For Ananias and Sapphira, their challenge was they are wanting to be in God's kingdom. They're wanting to be in the church. They have come to a point of confession and repentance. They have met Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. Yet there is so much about the world they have left behind that their boats are drifting apart. They are now neither in this side or that side. They are going to fall between Their lives, their words were not reflecting the truth of who they were. They were saying that they were Christians. They were saying that they were committed to the work of God. They were saying they had given everything to God, yet they had not. In verse 3, we read Peter say, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it sold and after it sold wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but you have lied to God. Ouch! I wonder how often we feel when we try to present ourselves as something we're not to other Christians that we don't realise that actually we are also lying to God. Yes, God knows what we're like. God knows exactly what we like. But here we have a picture of somebody who was trying to put themselves as to somebody they are not. And God knew. And God punished. Our oxymoronic lives, living lives of hypocrisy. Coming to church on a Sunday and going around and greeting people as if we are the saint. And yet behind the scenes causing disruption, causing hurt. 
causing pain. Proclaiming that we are people of faith, yet undermining the work of God. Ananias and Sapphira had no need to give to God. They had chosen to proclaim that they had given everything to God. They wanted the kudos, the church to see them in a light. But that light was a false light. It was the trying to do the right thing in the right way while living differently became their downfall in what ways do our lives reflect our faith and in what ways are we in contrast to what we believe are there areas in our church life in our personal life that are not glorifying God that are causing us to be in conflict to the people we proclaim Mind the gap. Mind the gap. And maybe today we need to just stop here before we go on to the rest of the chapter and ask ourselves, are we living authentically? Are we living what we proclaim? Mind the gap as we go on to verses 12 to 16. We see here a different kind of gap. A gap between the world and the church, the people, the religious leaders of the day and the work of Christ. There is a great big gap. And the early church, we read how the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And the believers met together in Solomon's colonnade. They were living in a risky world. They were making big risks for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were engaged in risky living. And the gap here was the gap between what Christ was calling the church to be and what the religious leaders wanted to control the church to be. Continuing to be Jesus in a hostile world, continuing to reach out to the lonely, the lost and the least, continuing to show the power of God in the marketplace, in the place, in the town, where there was opposition... Yet the church was not going to give up now. They believed in the absolute power of God. They believed God was in the transformation business. Risky living is living in a gap between the call of society and the call of Christ. Society wants the church to be silent, 
to not get engaged in the world. Christ says, I am Lord of heaven and earth, and my kingdom is coming, and my people will call out my name. Mind the gap. Because it can be so easy for us as the church to compromise and go to the quiet and not be seen, yet we are called to be different. Mind the gap. And the chapter continues from verse 17. And we see that there is persecution upon the church. What's the gap? Well, the gap here is the gap between looking after myself and being what Christ calls me to be. We're so often living, wanting to just have a comfortable, quiet life. But Christ doesn't call us to be in having a quiet life. Christ calls us to being on the front line. He gives us the armour of salvation. He gives us the armour that is outlined in the scriptures because we need it. It was only the chapter before that we read that after coming out of prison that this, the uh, apostles, the believers, pray a bold prayer. When they have just come out of prison and when they have been persecuted before, they don't pray, Lord, give me a quiet life. They pray this prayer. And you can see it in chapter 4, verse 29. Lord, now consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through your name holy name holy servant jesus maybe had we been in prison had we been persecuted we would be praying lord protect us keep us from any evil but no they're not praying that they said lord give us boldness to go keep going to keep on the front line Over the last few years, we have had many celebrations and acts of remembrance of the great events of the First World War, the Second World War, and we have been recognising the great people who sacrificed all for us, and that is absolutely right. But every one of those who went to the front line, who fought for the nation, their nation, believed totally in the work that they were doing, and they went willingly. Because they wanted to see the powers of evil overthrown and freedom for people given. We too are in a battle. We too are in a battle, a bat- not a battle with guns, not a battle to destroy people, but a battle to bring life and life in all its fullness. And that battle is as real as the battle of the First and Second World War. But our battle is against powers and spiritual powers. And therefore we need to go with boldness. And we need to not be worrying about ourselves. Yes, we may have to sacrifice some comforts. Yes, we may have to sacrifice uh, some dignity at times. But we need to be part of the journey of overcoming the powers of evil that exist within this world. Obedient living is keep going despite the opposition, despite the potential cost. 
Continue allowing to God to open doors, even if those doors are not comfortable doors to go through. You look at verse 38, 39, it says these in chapter 5 of Acts. Therefore, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Obedient living is fighting with God. Recognising we will face opposition, but those people who are throwing oppositions are not just fighting us, they are fighting God. Is your life a life of self or a life where God's plan and purposes are being worked out? Will we let God take full control of our lives? Mind the gap. The gap between the powers of evil and the work of God. And let's be part of the work of God. So we looked at authentic living and minding the gap between the world and us and the oxymoronic living. We looked at risky living. We looked at obedient living. And now I want us to just dip into chapter 6 and look at spiritual living at the beginning of chapter 6 we have that great um, story of the appointing of the first deacons these were people who were called to serve the church and to deal with some of the conflict that was happening between the different groups and they were looking about who should take on this job and you'd say, well, let's find somebody who has political mouse or has ability to lead. No, this is what they looked for. This is the, what God was looking for. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the spirit and of wisdom. People who were full of the spirit. Spiritual living. The call of the Christian is to live in the power of the Holy Spirit leading them. Yes, this is the qualities of leadership, but it's the call of all Christians to be Spirit-led Christians, to be Spirit-led people. This is not about the exceptional, and yes, there will be some standout people, but this is about what normal Christians should look like. If you look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, you see there the list of the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits, not the gifts. The gifts come out of being Spirit-filled. Fruits are evidence of being Spirit-led. And the fruits of the Spirit are those which we know, love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We know those well. But I want to take a moment this morning just to say, but there's an opposite of all those, and we only know we have one if we have the absence of the opposite. And there's a gap that we need to mind, a gap between pretending or believing we're full of the Spirit 
if we still have characteristics and fruits that are not spirit fruits. So let's look at them one at a time. Love. Well, the opposite of love is bitterness or hate. We can't say we're full of love if we are bitter or hateful people. If there are people we hate or things that we are bitter about, we have part of us that is not full of the fruit of love. Are you a bitter person? Is there people you would describe as people you hate? Christ, even for those he found to be totally against him, he still showed love. So is your life full of love or bitterness and hate? Second one, joy. The opposite of joy is misery. How do people see you? Do they see you as a confident, positive, joyful person or do they see you as somebody who's grumpy? I don't know why my grandchildren call me Grumpy Gramps, but I think that's probably because that's what their parents taught them. To, their parents taught them to stay and call me, but that's fine. Um, it's being grumpy that makes me so happy. But seriously, as Christians, we should not be miserable. We should not be showing our misery to all. We have the greatest message of the world. Let's be joyful. Paul, writing to the Philippian church, talks about being joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let's be joyful. Thirdly, patience not demanding. Patience not demanding. Being patient with one another, with our loved ones with ourselves and with God. So easy to be demanding, thinking we have a right to everything and we have a right to that now. But we're called to be people of patience. Peace, not conflict. The Bible talks about blessing are the peacemakers. And Jesus is described as the Prince of Peace. And Jesus came to make peace between man and God. Being people who make peace. And we need to be people who make peace, not cause conflict. It's a sadness to me that in so many churches there is constant conflict. Constant conflict between the leadership and others and sometimes even within leadership. But we are called to be people who are peacemakers and bring hope. Next, kindness, not selfishness. Kindness, not selfishness. It's so easy to want to be, have everything we think we need. 
Yet God has given us resources to bless others. And we need to not be selfish, but to be full of the fruit of kindness, to bless other people. Goodness, not destructive. Are we people who are noted for doing good? Not causing disruption in the background, not causing undermining, but doing good. Faithfulness, not unreliable. So often we are saying, I will be there, I will be there at all times, and we find ourselves unreliable. A bit like the disciples. When Jesus needed them most, as he was in the garden, in torment, in prayer, his disciples, those faithful disciples, fell asleep. We're called to be faithful. And then gentleness, not aggressive. There's nothing spiritual about being aggressive to one another. We're called to be gentle people. Jesus himself was gentle. Even in the moments of conflict where people were going at him, Jesus spoke words of gentleness, of hope, of kindness. Self-control, not volatile. You know those moments which disappoint us all when we, I lose it for a while and we look back and thought who took over then the fruit of the spirit is that we control ourselves we're not volatile we're not unpredictable and each one of these are a gap that we need to mind between the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of self and maybe this week we want to write down those nine fruits and their opposites and ask, where do I fall on this line? Love, bitterness. Joy, misery. Patience, demanding. Peace, conflict. Kindness, selfishness. Goodness, destructive. Faithfulness, unreliable. Gentleness, aggressive. Self-control, volatile. And maybe this week we look at the Psalm 139 and we meet with God and we spend time with God asking ourselves, what's the gap I need to mind at the moment? And allow God to bridge that gap and to heal and restore us to a godly living that he calls us to. To help us live authentically, not not pretending to be something we're not but to live authentically help us to live as Christians who are prepared to take risks in our living help us to be obedient even at the point of persecution help us to be spiritual and to show the spiritual fruits in our living meet with God
do business with God. Ask God to show you. But most of all, mind the gap. Acts chapter 5 started with a story of a couple of disciples who felt that it was okay to live in two worlds. It's not. Mind the gap and ask yourself, am I dedicated to Christ? In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Offer your whole lives as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. And I ask you this today, what act of worship are you bringing? Is it good enough for what God needs? And it goes on. Do not conform to the world standard but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have you allowed yourself to conform? Or are you becoming transformed by the renewing of your mind? Amen. And so our time has come to an end. But we know that we can, having listened to uh, all that uh, God has shared with us today, we can go into God's world with joy and peace and love and hope in our hearts. And the blessing of Almighty God, Creator, Redeemer and Sustainer, be with each and every one of us, not just now, but forevermore. Amen. Thank you for being with us and we will have one last song as uh, we begin to disappear and do our own thing for the rest of the day. May we know that Christ is ever with us as we're reminded by this song. Amen. <laughs>